This is the Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network. No. This is Creepy, a podcast dedicated to sharing the most famous, chilling, and disturbing creepypastas and urban legends in the world. Whether these stories truly happened or are simply fabrications is for you to decide. These stories may contain graphic depictions of violence and explicit language. Listener discretion is advised. Creepy Presents 50 Foot Ant's First Story Credited to 50 Foot Ant on Something Awful And narrated by Atticus Jackson Chapter 3 I hate this fucking place! I yelled, staring at the mostly empty room. Where are the fucking generators? Nagel asked, stepping into the room and looking around. There's supposed to be generators in here. Goddamn black market assholes! Bomber grumbled, then turned and looked at me. What's the plan, smart guy? I looked at the empty room, wondering where the hell all that sheer weight of metal could have gone. You needed a goddamn forklift to move 5k generators, a pallet jack at the very least. I have no idea. I admitted, walking in and stepping next to the fuel tanks. Out of curiosity, I knocked on them. Empty. Fuck. Nagel checked the lock on the chains on the door that led to the access hallway, pulling on it for a moment. Locked. I bent down and took a look at the hoses that led from both the pipes on the walls and the fuel tanks. Not a single scratch or nick on the copper nipple. I sniffed them, but all I smelled was the ever-present smell of decay. We're not in trouble that bad, Bomber said from the darkness behind me. The dumbass hadn't brought a flashlight with him and Nagel was panning hers over the ceiling, pointing out icicles, some of them almost a foot long. Yeah, I heard freezing to death isn't that bad of a way to go, Nagel sneered. He's right, I told her standing up and shivering again. The furnaces and water heater are all oil-fired. We'll get them running and then figure out what to do. My thoughts exactly, Bomber grinned. Glad to hear you agree with my plan. I made a face. Typical Bomber. We headed back up the stairs after closing the generator room door. The cavernous basement swallowed our lights and I could almost feel the darkness pressing on us and for some reason, I became very aware of the building squatting over us. A building that had been built by the lowest bidder. A building that almost exactly followed the floor plan of a barracks that had tried its damnness to kill me and 19 other people, including my older brother. A building that had already been found to have serious construction faults. Fuck, these things are electrically fired. Bomber said after taking the panel off the first massive water heater and looking inside with my flashlight. You press the button and hold it till the burners light up and the fans kick on. 
We'll have to do it the hard way, I said, pulling out a cigarette and lighting it real quick. I knelt down and looked inside, pointing out the bomber where to shine the light. The data sheet on the water heater was still on the inside of the panel, and I stared at it for a long time, memorizing parts of it. Well? Nagel asked. She was shining her light in steady sweeps across the darkness, and I could hear her teeth chattering. Bomber was knocking on the oil tanks and getting back dull thumps. Fool. Thank God. It needs electrical. We're going to have to do this the hard way. I said, standing back up and taking my flashlight back from Bomber. I panned it across the wall and then wiggled between the two heaters so I could see between them. A scream echoed through the basement, raising goosebumps on my arms. I was suddenly very aware that I was pinned between and slightly behind a water heater that probably weighed about two tons without water. What the fuck does that mean? Nagel snarled. She was in a bad mood, cold, tired, and if she was anything like me, a little scared. We need to find a generator, I told her, then kicked my boot. Bomber, pull me out. Hey, Aunt, in case you didn't notice, the generators are gone. She said as Bomber grabbed my ankles and pulled me out from between the hulking metal behemoths. In the generator room, yeah, Bomber said, and I nodded. Let's check the inventory sheets. We went to each tarp-covered stack, pulling the inventory sheets out the clear plastic envelopes and quickly scanned them. Body bags, uniforms, boots, sleeping bags, TA-50, tools, all broken down by platoon and squad. Everything we'd need to fight when the Soviets rolled into the Fulda Gap. Except fucking generators. What about the war stocks rooms? Nagel asked when we finished. It was getting colder, even down in the basement, which meant that it had to be colder than a witch's ass on a brass broomstick in the rest of the barracks. No key, I answered. Jake's has the keys. They weren't in the CQ area. How many of us are left in the barracks? Balmer asked, shivering. All of our teeth were chattering, and I started walking toward the stairwell access. CQ is all from the barracks tonight. That leaves ten people we need to find if we count them. If we don't, we need to find six. I answered, remembering the morning report. That's if nobody else is missing. I finished lamely. Yeah, if. Balmer agreed, his normal Texas cheer missing. In the stairwell, both Nagels and my flashlight cut out, leaving us in darkness. A whispering noise surrounded us and the faint sound of scratching could be heard. A sobbing moan drifted through the stairwell, and I heard either Nagel or Bomber inhale sharply. I suddenly had to piss really badly. I could hear Nagel unscrewing her flashlight, and I did the same, almost racing her to get it open and drop in new batteries. I stripped the tinfoil and paper off them and dropped them in, and sighed with relief when it lit back up. I still remembered my flashlight batteries cutting out and the new batteries not getting my flashlight restarted one fateful night. We started up the stairs, reached the midway landing, turned to go up, and stopped in our tracks, staring. Nagel screamed. Bomber cursed. I just stared, mouth open. 
Dark red had oozed from the edge of the ceiling that was formed by the second floor landing, running down the wall next to the first floor door and freezing solid. Our flashlights glittered off the frost that covered it, and my brain just refused to process what I was seeing. Balmer moved before I did, rushing up the stairs, heedless of the ice on the steps and slamming his shoulder against the door. I was right on his heels and could feel and hear Nagel right after me. Nagel tripped me as we went through when we both went down on the floor, dragging Balmer with us. I kicked at the door wildly until it slammed shut and then scrambled backwards until my back hit the wall. I knew my eyes were wild and I was shaking from more than the cold. What the fuck was that? Nagel yelled. How the fuck should I know? I yelled back. It was fucking blood! Oh, fuck, it, it was fucking blood! Bomber yelled, jumping up. CQ area! I yelled, scrambling to my feet. All three of us blew through the midway doors, pounded down the hallway at a dead run, and burst through the doors to the CQ area and came skidding to a halt. It was empty, and we looked at each other and laughed nervously for a moment. A faint sobbing noise sobered us really quickly. We went around the counter and back to the drawers. While Balmer jotted down the numbers of the occupied rooms, I went into the closet and checked the gauges. No power. Temperature had dropped by five degrees. Wind speed was gusting up to 60 miles per hour. When I came out of the closet, Nagel held up the V-core line and shook her head. Damn it. I cursed. I pointed at the double doors. We're getting a hell of a storm out there. Nobody's coming to fucking save us. Bomber grinned at me. What's so fucking funny? Nagel asked. At least I got to fuck a Bigfoot. He said. I couldn't help it. I laughed. And so did Nagel. Alright, let's get everyone else. I said. How many on the first floor? Nagel, that's it, Bomber said. Second floor? Everyone but James and Tanner, he told me. They were on CQ. Fourth? Nobody. Good. I'm not going back in that stairwell, Nagel said. You want to stay here by yourself? I asked. No. Let's take this stairwell, Balmer suggested, and we both nodded. Third floor first, I said, rummaging around in another drawer and coming up with a heavy-duty flashlight. One of the ones with the big square batteries. I clicked it off and on, then slapped it a few times. We got lucky. It lit. Balmer opened the door and we shined our flashlights in. No blood on the wall, but there was still thick ice. We tromped up the stairs to the third floor and pushed out into the hallway. The office space to our right was empty, but at Nagel's suggestion we swept through it real quick, using my key to open the doors. Nobody. We knocked on Tanner's door first and got no answer. After trying twice more, I unlocked the door and we went in. It was empty. I relocked the door and we headed down to Jake's room, where we repeated the process. When I opened the door, the wind hit us in the face, the temperature in the hallway dropping. 
I could see that his window was open, letting in the snow and the wind. Cursing, we went in and shut his window, looked around. Empty. We got luckier on the second floor. Daniels and Hewitt shared a room. Hewitt answered the door after I banged on it a couple of times. What the hell's going on here? It's fucking freezing in here. He said. He was dressed in PT sweats. Furnace and water heater are off. We've lost power, Balmer said. Daniel's in there? Yeah, why are you banging on my door? I'll tell you later. Just stay in your room, okay? I said. You woke me up for that shit? I'm serious. Don't go anywhere just yet. But wake up Daniel's and get dressed, I told him. Why? He asked. I'm taking a head count, and then we're going to figure out what to do. I told him. You're an asshole, he answered, and slammed the door. I was tempted to kick in his door and beat his ungrateful ass. Hernandez answered his door, wrapped in his blanket. When I told him to get dressed and wait for me in his room, he nodded and shut the door. Jacobs and Lewis both did the same. Carter didn't answer, so I unlocked the door and we went in. He was curled up in his bed, pale in our flashlight beams, and his earlobes and the tip of his nose had a blackish-blue tint. Shit, Bomber said, reaching down and shaking him. He's ice-fucking-cold. Hold her flashlights, Nagel, I said, handing mine to her. Bomber did the same, moving down to Carter's feet. Ready? I asked. Balmer nodded and we pulled the sheet out from under the mattress and got a good grip on it. On three, we lifted him up and had Nagel lead the way back to Lewis's room since it was closer. Is he dead? Lewis asked as soon as he opened the door. Not yet, Balmer answered. Lewis nodded and stepped aside so we could get in the room. We staggered over to the bed that wasn't a bunk bed set and sat him down on it, sheets, blanket, and all. Get under the covers with him. I'll pile your blankets on top of you, Nagel said while Balmer and I stepped back. Lewis had been to Arctic survival just like us and knew that this was pretty much the only chance Carter had. Balmer and I took back the flashlights, and I took Nagel's, and she went over and gathered up all the blankets off the other two beds. By the time she finished, Lewis had climbed under the covers with Carter and wrapped his arms around the other man. Nagel piled the blankets on both of them, wet her finger, and held it in front of Carter's nose. Still alive, she said. Wait here, we'll be back, Balmer said. He's fucking freezing, Lewis told us and shivered under the covers. Try to keep him alive, man, I told them. We're going back to the CQ area. We left Lewis's room, and at Bomber's suggestion, we went backwards, telling everyone to get their blankets and wait in Lewis's room, room 208, and waited till everyone agreed. Once everyone started moving, we went up to the fourth floor, and I unlocked each room. A quick look to see in the bathroom of each room in the living area. We'd leave, lock the door, and move to the next one. It was getting colder by the minute. As we passed by the second floor middle stairwell, I stopped. I gotta know, I said. 
Nagel nodded, her face pale in the backwash from the flashlights. I pushed open the door and slammed it shut. The entire landing was covered in frozen red. Oh, fuck. Balmer breathed. We hurried on, finishing the sweep of the second floor and moving down to the first floor. Nagel checked the females' rooms. Nobody. Finally, we got to the doors that opened up into the CQ area and pushed them open. Nagel screamed when our flashlight beams dimly lit up the room. Both sets of double doors were open. The wind was howling and snow was blowing through the doors. The doors to the day room were open, and I could tell by the way the wind tore through the CQ area that the windows were either open or shattered. There was already a couple of inches of snow on the tile, and the wind kept blowing snow into the room. And there was a snowman built in the middle of the room. It wore a BDU soft cap, had a broken OD green flashlight, the battery container only, creating a jagged-ended nose, and its eyes and a slash of a mouth were chrome. Its arms were two halves of a broken mop, and the hair underneath the soft cap was a mop head. A knife handle stuck out of its round chest as if someone had stabbed it in the chest. I stepped forward and looked closer at the eyes, aware that I was in the middle of the room, that there was nothing between me and the outside on my right, nothing but the day room chairs between me and a twenty-foot drop to the ground on my left. I shined my flashlight at the eyes and leaned in to check. They were chrome with black edging. Dog tags. Dog tags with rubber silencers on them. My dog tags. From where I'd left them hanging in the bathroom in my room. The mouth was a broken off knife blade. The hilt in the chest matched the blade. A hilt I recognized. One of the knives out of my desk. The red emergency light clicked on, turning the snow crimson, and the snowman bloody. Outside in the snow came another scream, a long, drawn-out scream. The red emergency light strobed for a second and cut out. Chapter 4 With a snarl, I plucked my dog tags out of the snowman's face, then kicked it down cursing and snarling the whole time. I was vaguely aware that I was hovering on the edge of losing control, that I was wavering between panic and going apeshit. I could smell jet fuel and burning bodies. I could hear screaming and the scars across my back had ignited, my brain registering the freezing wind howling around me as my shirt charring on my back. I'll fucking kill you! I screamed, turning and taking a step toward the door. Before I could take the second step, Balmer had me around the neck, pulling me back in a full Nelson while Nagel moved in front of me, grabbing my face in her hands. Don't! Don't go out there! Please, Aunt, calm down! She said. Suddenly, she leaned forward and kissed me. The taste of her lips, the feel of her tongue darting into my mouth. The pressure of her mouth against mine, suddenly bringing me back to reality. It's what somebody wants, slithered through my brain. I relaxed and Bomber slowly let me go. 
I dropped my flashlight in the snow, and when Bomber let me go, I picked it up slowly, anger still making my head pound. What the fuck is going on? Nagel asked, walking over to the outer doors and kicking the chocks up so she could close them. Beyond her in the snow, dark shapes moved around just beyond the reach of my flashlight, as if they were edging toward her but unwilling to brave the light. Four shadows, my mind insisted. Once the door shut, the wind cut down, and Bomber went into the day room to shut the windows in there while Nagel shut the inner doors. I simply stood there next to the ruined snowman, shaking with the after-effects of too much adrenaline. Whoever had done this had been in my room, had gone through my stuff, and had done this knowing I'd find it. We've got a psycho, I said. Nagel and Bomber turned around and looked at me. Oh, shit, Bomber said, looking around the CQ area, panning his flashlight. Snow was thick on the floor. Wind had scattered the paper from the bulletin board everywhere. He walked behind the desk and stopped. When I shined the light on him, his face was bloodless. What? Nagel asked. Bomber wordlessly held up the phone receiver, the black plastic looking unclean in his hand somehow. Three inches of curled cord dangled from the receiver. Shit. What about the log? I asked. Gone. What do we do? I asked. My brain was worrying, running through the logic chains and permutations. The majority of the decision trees ended up with all of us dead. I don't know, Ant. Punt? Bomber came back around the counter and stood next to me. Nagel was on the other side of me, keeping her flashlight on the doors of the hallway in the rec room. And the bathroom. We need to get back to the others. We'll have to form up in Lewis's room. I don't want to move Carter, Nagel said. I nodded wordlessly, trying to figure out our next move. No matter what we did, we were in danger. Roll the dice, or play it safe. Roger that, I said. Bomber led the way, through the doors, the wind shrieking and the door hinges screaming in protest. Our shoes left snow in the hallway as we walked in silence. Do we tell them? Bomber asked suddenly, breaking the eerie quiet. I don't know. This is way above my pay grade, I answered. We need to tell them. There's a psycho loose, Nagel added. Except for one problem, I added as we pushed through the second set of doors. I started to reach for the door handle to the middle stairwell and pulled back with a hiss. What's that? Bomber asked. All three of us stood at the door to the middle stairwell. Above us, in the darkness, the landing was coated with red ice. On the other side of the door, the wall was coated with the same. One of them might be the psycho. I told them. Shit, Nagel summed it up. Bomber nodded, and wordlessly we all started walking to the end stairwell rather than take the middle stairwell. I led the way, checking up with my flashlight. Nagel came in next, flashing her own light down the stairwell, leaning over and looking all the way to the bottom. Bomber closed the door behind him, and we all stood for a long moment in the stairwell. After a few moments of silence, broken by a sobbing scream from upstairs, 
we began plodding up the steps to the second floor. The door opened with a shriek that echoed down the hallway, and Hewitt popped his head out the door. Are you going to tell me what's going on yet? He asked. Tell Daniels that we're forming up in Lewis's room. Two, four, five, I told him. Bring all your blankets. Fuck you, tell me what's going on. He answered. I could smell the booze on his breath. Stay in your room and freeze to fucking death then. I snarled back, moving past him. Jacobs answered his door right away and asked us to wait for him while he grabbed all the blankets in his room. He had two other roommates, both of whom had gone back to Conus for Christmas, and he grabbed their blankets too. Hernandez had more than just blankets. He grabbed his sleeping bag and his roommate's sleeping bag. I busted the locks on their wall lockers, he admitted. Good man, Bomber said, taking one of the sleeping bags. Good thinking. We all walked down the hallway. Outside, the wind was howling. Inside, moans and screams echoed through the dark hallways. I unlocked the door to Lewis's room with my key and we all went in. I was half afraid the room would be empty except for Carter's corpse. Lewis? I asked in the darkness. I'm here, Aunt. I almost wept at the sound of his voice. How's Carter? I asked, moving further into the room. The others followed me. He's shivering, Lewis answered. I think he'll make it. Thank God, Nagel breathed. We're going to form up in here. I'll explain when everyone gets here, I said. Nagel walked over and sat on one of the empty beds, taking a blanket offered by Jacobs with a wan smile and wrapping it around herself. The temperature in the barracks was still dropping. I was almost ready to go down to their room and drag them out when Hewitt and Daniel showed up. Hewitt wasn't carrying anything, but Daniels had a blanket in his arms, including the quilt he usually kept on his bed. What the fuck is going on, Aunt? Hewitt asked. I don't know, I admitted. Someone needs to go down and start the generators, Lewis said. Nagel barked a harsh laugh and held up her hand when everyone looked at her. Sorry, it's just that that ain't happening. What do you mean? Hewitt again with a nasty tone. I caught myself looking at his hands. They were clean. The generators are gone, Balmer answered. I don't think they were ever there, but even if they were, someone stole them. Bullshit, Hewitt snarled. You three are full of shit. Then go check, high speed, I snarled back. I'd hated Hewitt since he'd gotten there in June. He was a nasty-mouthed fucking bigot who talked shit about people behind their backs while being all nice to them in person. During Reforger, he'd taken my Walkman from under my pillow and took it out to guard duty with him. I caught him putting it back with dead batteries. I don't need to, to know you're fucking lying, he sneered. Call me a liar again. I snarled, taking a step toward him. My muscles were still thrumming with the adrenaline from that fucking snowman, and my frustration and fear had built up into a temple of throbbing rage. You're a fucking liar, Aunt. He sneered. What are you gonna- Dropping my flashlight, I hit him while his mouth was open, catching him right on the lower part of the jaw. 
and I felt it go under my knuckles. He started to spin with the blow, but I wasn't done with him. I put my left into his stomach, folding him up, and drove a knee into his face. Everything went red as I went with him down to the floor in the darkness. Bomber and Hernandez drugged me off him. I was shouting that I'd beat his ass for that goddamn snowman bullshit, and everyone was staring. Lewis was sitting up, and it was obvious that both he and Carter were naked under all the blankets. Eyes went from me to Lewis. Lewis, why are you and Carter naked? Daniels asked. Nagel was kneeling down next to Hewitt, checking his pulse. Hypothermia, he said. Gotta warm him up or he's gonna die. He laid back down and pulled the blankets back over the two of them. Oh, Daniels said, then turned to me. What snowman? I filled them in on what we'd seen so far. Hewitt woke up during the recounting, and his glare told me that he didn't think it was over. I hoped not. I wanted to beat on that racist cocksucker some more. Blood? No fucking way! Jacobs protested. Go look, Nagel said. Jacobs borrowed Nagel's flashlight and went out the door, and I locked it behind him. Less than five minutes later, he was hammering on the door. I opened it up, and he rushed into the room, his face pale. There's fucking blood everywhere! He half yelled. No shit, Sherlock, Balmer answered. We filled them in on the rest, including the snowman. Thankfully, Balmer omitted the part where I almost went charging out into the snow. There was a loud crash outside the room, and all of us jumped. It's getting cold as fuck in here, Hernandez said. We've got to do something. I've got a plan, I said, and everyone turned to look at me. Bomber, Nagel, and I are going to go out there, I said. Everyone stared at me. Outside the door to the room, there was a long, drawn-out scream. For more information, including pictures and videos of the stories told on this podcast, or to suggest stories for future episodes, please visit us at CreepyPod on Twitter Instagram and Facebook or email us at creepypod at gmail.com All stories told on this podcast can be found at creepypastawikia.com and are protected by a Creative Commons license some rights reserved unless otherwise stated Item number SCP-5186 SCP-7160 SCP-7533 Object Class Euclid Keter Safe Special Containment Procedures <laughs> Spreading across the hemisphere and kicking up vast amounts of ash and dust <laughs> The only thing I could hear was 7219 <laughs> laughing <laughs> Do you remember your name?
Counseling. Appointment update. I feel them again. Heartland Counseling. Appointment update. They're in my ears! Heartland Counseling. Appointment update. Nobody understands! SCP Archives is a weekly fiction podcast. Each episode, we dive into the strange, the unknown, and the... Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or at scparchives.com.